When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to another edition of Pitching In live from St. Louis. I'm Jason Mackey alongside Michael McHenry who is back home in Pittsburgh. And also, we're not live, uh, but we were talking to you after the Pirates and the Cardinals finished a three-game series. The Pirates went 5-1 and in their trip through Missouri. Plenty, plenty, plenty to talk about with the Fort here on the other end. But we are, as always, brought to you by my favorite place in the world, North Shore Tavern. If you love baseball, you'll love the North Shore Tavern. The interior, it's wall-to-wall pirate stuff. They're appetizers, entrees, cocktails, and, of course, steak and seafood on a sizzling lava stone open every day. The North Shore Tavern across from PNC Park. It's your home for Steak on a Stone. Ford, how are you, sir? I'm doing good. I just watched the George Foreman movie. I don't know if you've seen it. I've not. It's outstanding. I've not. Um, I highly recommend it. A lot of things I didn't know about him, but the man did a lot in his life. Really, really uh, good story. I love a good, you know, heartfelt story like that. So go watch it. Okay. I like it. I how like are you? It. I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. I'm. I, I love this city. I'm a very big St. Louis fan, um, and as anybody watching this knows, I, I love me some North Shore Tavern and Mike's Beer Bar, but that obviously only exists in Pittsburgh. So <laughs> if I have to pick another restaurant that I really like, um, it would be Salt and Smoke in, in downtown St. Louis across from the ballpark. People probably saw the picture I tweeted, um, but I, I just the food scene here is so great. I love that it's not fancy. I'm not a big city guy. It weirds me out, but... Um, I, I can get down with St. Louis outside of like temperatures that are, you know, 110 at times. Um, I just it's love a different it. temperature there too, right? It is. It is. It, it's it a little was bit great. of Hades coming out. It was it's gorgeous so the past three days. Was it? it was unbelievable. So nice. So nice. nice. So what, what scares you about big cities, by the way? Um, I'm just not like the, the, I shouldn't say scares me. Just a lot of the um, size of, I don't know. I don't know. I, maybe I, I said that wrong. Like, I'm not a big LA fan. I do love New York, though. And I guess that's as big of a big city as you can get. But I love New York. I love DC. Um, they're just those not, feel like big cities to me. LA just feels like a, another planet. It does. It does. You know? So I get that. I get that. I don't know. I like familiarity, I guess. Hmm. I, I just, you know, I, I, I have odd travel preferences too. Like on hockey, everybody was all about Vegas. I couldn't, I, I, I would never go to Vegas. I will never go to Vegas in my life. Really? There's too many lights, too many things. It's too loud. There's too many people. I have no desire to go there. We love the shows, honestly. Like it's fun. Right. Yeah. I'm happy you do. Yeah. Well, <laughs> maybe you'd need to go stay at the Golden Nugget. That's where I stayed at in AAA. Absolutely loved it. 
Dude, if I ever had to go out there for like if if I have to cover an A's series or something and they wind up in Vegas, I'm staying in the middle of the desert with like, you know, Uncle Eddie and going to the casino with you know what Writing I mean. Writing this down. Mackey Desert. Go for it, dude. Come desert. with me. We'll buy oh, it don't worry. We will. We will do a live podcast from the desert. <laughs> me, you, and a cactus holding the mic. I'm in. Yep. I'm in. All right. All right, let's talk some ball. Let's get down to this. Um, I want to start today for with the story that I thought was the biggest thing that we saw. We'll work backwards from there. But Johan Oviedo, this is to me what is so cruel about baseball. And I want to sort of untangle this with you because I respect your, your lens on this so much. Dude was unbelievable in Kansas City. He was so good. And then today, he couldn't throw a darn strike. And the fastball command was just not there. Um you know, I'm surprised he made it as long as he did. I think if Key Brian Hayes doesn't make that spectacular play in the first, the game completely just sort of teeters out of control. But what the heck was the difference in those two outings? I mean, there's obviously some mechanical things, but with Oviedo, always think about what's going on up in the dome, you know, because his mindset and mentality changed, I think, somewhere yeah. middle of May, maybe early June. He started to believe in himself in a different way. He started taking control. He started calling some of his own pitches. And I felt like he started to really create, you know, who he wanted to be. I always say identity, but he really did. And I thought that was something that was really special. I thought he was going to run with it, but it then a rain delay got to him. You know, um, all these circumstances that really out of his control started to pile on top of him and affect his starts. But all the other starts were absolutely outstanding. He's only second to Blake Snell in uh, zero or one run ball games. That's a six cool innings, stat, I believe. Yeah, it's a really neat stat. So you kind of look at it. He's been two different guys, and today it looked like he just didn't have that same conviction. Yes, yep. mechanical things, everything's opening up, arms lagging behind. He always missed his arm side, but he never had a pitch, not one pitch, where he yanked. Think about that. He always has that overcommitment where he yanks the ball and it bounces, almost hits the left-handed batter off the bounce. He never had that today. I thought that was really strange, something I haven't seen him do. Even when he struggled, yeah. everything was high and right, high and right, off-speed yeah. stuff, breaking ball, and he just couldn't make an adjustment. So that was new for me. So I think it had to do with his dome. Maybe it was the plan, the conviction in the plan. I'm not really sure exactly what it was, but that's what it looked like. All right, a couple facts here. Ford, I was actually looking this up before we started. The stat that you mentioned of Oviedo, one or zero runs, his ERA in those games, 1.08, which it's small. You would expect it to be small, naturally, given the numbers we're dealing with. On the other side of it, 782 before today. I have not factored in today's start. So that will change a little bit. But, I mean, I agree with you. It's, it's two totally different guys. When he's on, he's dominant. When he's not, it's what we saw today. Um, I don't know what to make, and we can kick this around a little bit, about the use of catchers. And you have Jason DeLay catching two of the three games in the Cardinals series. And Endy caught him that first game in Kansas City. Why didn't Endy catch him again in the last game in St. Louis? I'm a little surprised by that. I understand. I remember asking Derek Shelton about this before, about, you know, do you believe in personal catchers? And he said no. He thinks either one of his guys should be able to catch any one of his pitchers. And I understand that, but I'm not sure that's the situation we're dealing with here. I mean, it's funny because Delay's catching Keller just about every start, especially his last five. Right. Um, it's very much been his personal catcher. Yeah, and I think I think it's more of a trend thing. 
is the way I would look at it. I'm, I don't believe in a personal catcher either, but even though I ended up being a personal catcher a couple of times, the reality of it is, Mackie, I need to be able to have that guy tick no matter what if I'm catching. Yeah. But that doesn't mean I'm the hot hand. I'm not in rhythm with him. I remember the first time I caught A.J. Burnett, I come in the middle of the game and he just gets annihilated. Of course, I put all that on me, but I hadn't caught him. I hadn't yeah. caught him since spring training. You know, and the, the reality of it was, like, he wasn't comfortable, I wasn't comfortable, and that's never a good thing. But that was fixed, and I think you have to look at it as, like, yeah, both guys need to, but when the hand is hot, you let it play. Like, if next time yeah. out, Indy catches Keller and he doesn't pitch well, you're like, man, well, we just rattled off four or five starts in a row. Delay was outstanding. Remember when Hedges caught Keller for the first time? It didn't go well. Yep. And I think there's a learning curve. So, as – Derek Shelton said, I don't believe in personal catchers, but I do believe in trends. And if you're going to look at analytics, you have to look at all of them. And that's one yeah. of the analytics you need to look at. Yeah, I don't love that. I'm just very much in the camp of if something works, stick with it, man. Me too. Even to the point with like lineups and they change them and giving guys rest and changing things around. And like, you know, I don't know if we want to get into what they were doing with G1 Bay today. He's not playing against the lefty. It, it, it's sort of pitter patter, though, to me. Like they do this stuff all the time. And I, I understand on one level, like you're trying to create a situation that is the best thing for your players. But I think there's also something to be said for continuity and don't mess with a good thing. And I, I wonder if that's what this was with Oviedo, because I'll also go through some of his comments for it. I know that they didn't air on AT&T, but, um, you know, he was not happy after the game, as I, I wouldn't expect him to be. And, um you know, we, we tried. He was asked seven different questions, a lot of it the same thing, but I'll, I'll go through some of the dialogue here. He said, like, what happened? He said, I didn't feel comfortable. I've been working for two months in a different way. Today, I just didn't feel comfortable. Is that something you felt in a bullpen? Was it something that maybe cropped up yesterday or before? He said everything in general. I just didn't feel comfortable with anything. It goes on and it goes on and it goes on. Um, we're trying to get to some level of understanding here. He said, it's been happening all season. Uh, the worst part is it's out of my control. I just need to keep moving away from it. And I said to him at one point, I said, what is it? We keep saying it. What's it? And he said, general, things you can't control. It just happens. All you can do is work with what you've got. I mean, that's that's nothing. That's yeah. vague. Um, it, it's like he wanted to say something, but but didn't didn't want to offend anybody. Or sounds like a politician. That's what he sounds like. Yeah, right? Yeah. Um, but is that a catcher? Is that something else? Is that a pitch mix that he was being prevented? I mean, he was a lot fastball slider. Did he want to throw his sinker? Did he want to throw his curveball and change up? I don't know. And but that's the problem. That's the problem with you. Like, that's a problem for you. That's a problem for me. That's a problem for the fans is G1 Bay. I mean, his numbers are drastically better than, you know, against lefties and righties right now. I mean, and then he gets two hits. He doesn't lay down the bunt. Is that why he's not playing? I'm not sure. There's not. a lot of different things that are never answered. And I think transparency would go a long way because if it was something that was development oriented with Oviedo, like, hey, we need you to do this. We need you yeah. to do this. If that was brought to the forefront and he's not comfortable and he fails, we're all like, oh, OK, at least they're making some effort to develop him at the major league level. But we don't know that. Yeah, we don't know well, that Even if we do. A lot of times there's only bits and pieces of it that we can you know, share. And it's just not OK for the fans to understand that, you know, there is a lot of things at play and what it is. Sometimes we just have no clue and it gets cryptic. Yeah, I get that. And it's certainly not on the organization. 
that none of this is a criticism of the organization. No. Oviedo had every opportunity to talk about, um, you know, what it, what it is that he's working on or bothering him or whatever. Um, and I don't even care if like, the guys talk about it. It's not like, I mean, they don't, they don't, to a certain degree, I don't think they owe you, like, what, what would my analogy be? Like, they don't have to open the hood and go take you through their process and all that stuff. Like, I'm not obligated to see that. I think, I think they're obligated to talk. I think they're obligated right. to let the fan, let paying customers know what they think about things and how they feel. Um, but you know, guys that don't want to like walk you through their process, I get that. I respect it. Um, you know, and, and frankly, like it, it should be on people like me to ask better questions and ask more alert questions about, you know, like the delay thing and, and Bay and lineup choices. They don't always get answered. And those might not have gotten answered, but you know, I do kick myself a little bit that you can't ask for more <laughs> insight. And there's always another day, so we can go back at it tomorrow. It's fine. It's fine yeah. right now. Yeah, uh, no doubt. I mean, that's that's the reality of baseball. And th- yeah, it doesn't matter what anybody else says in that organization. It's Oviedo's career. He's got to take ownership. He's got to understand. You know, why is it in the first two innings that things seem to go awry on those bad starts? Yeah. You know, it's, it, even if <clears throat> he wasn't comfortable today, the last two months he's been throwing his best ball. It's been happening over the last two months, that cryptic thing he said. I mean, we looked at it in August, 3.16 ERA. He's been really good. Still walks are high, but he's been pitching a lot better the second half, especially with that fastball. Today, he was not able to make adjustment. And I feel like that's one of his biggest weaknesses moving forward that he has to fix is those quick adjustments, batter to batter, pitch to pitch. Yeah. All right, so to sort of outline the rest of the show for you guys here as I pull up some more notes, but uh, we're going to get into Andy Haynes' uh, story I did on Key Brian Hayes working with John Nunnally, and Fort knows Andy Haynes quite well. Uh, we're going to sort of debate that situation. Some offensive numbers over the past 42 I think might surprise you. We'll talk a little bit about the offseason, some encouraging signs that we've seen out of the Pirates, and we also have a couple reader questions as well. You're, you're watching, you're listening to pitching in. We appreciate it as always. I just like talking ball with Fort. I mean, the rest Amen. of you sort of come along for the ride and that's cool and that's fun, but we'd be doing this anyway. Um, so cool. Let's move on to the Haynes stuff for it. And I'll, I'll give people the background of this story. Um, Key Brian Hayes, I would say around about August, maybe a little bit before began working with John Nunnally, the double a hitting coach is somebody he's had a relationship with before worked with him um, has helped him. They felt like there was a connection there. And so they started talking Um, Hayes described them as cues. There have been some in-person meetings um, and Hayes has produced better results. And we, you know, we can link the two. I feel pretty good about that. Um, I don't think my story sat terribly well with people. That's not exactly why I'm bringing it up. But, you know, what I want to use it to sort of talk about is Andy Haynes. And, you know, in the process of reporting the first story, I found out that, you know, in all likelihood, Andy Haynes is coming back next year. That is the expectation right now, unless something changes. I know fans are upset by that. Um, I'm not asking you to argue for a move that that maybe might be unpopular for it. But I mean, when you look at this situation, would you bring Andy Haynes back? And what do you think about, you know, the whole the whole idea and the offense and and the state they're in right now? So I've been. At AT&T for six years, he's the third hitting coach. Less than two and a half years apiece. Branson was great. Rick Eckstein was great. Andy Haynes is great. You give a guy two years, you might as well just throw it, throw him out the door. It doesn't matter. It takes so much time to build a relationship. That's why Hayes is going back to Double A, which Andy Haynes knows 
Yeah. And he's willing to do that. Most hitting coaches aren't willing to do that. Oscar allowing guys to go to tread driveline and be in communication with them throughout the season. And that's yeah. what I think is different about this coaching staff that people need to understand is like the ego is dead. And if it wasn't, then yeah, I would say they need to let these guys go because ego destroys a team, but that's where we're at. I mean, I believe there's a lot of people on that staff that really truly care. And I know Andy Haynes is one of them, whether he's doing a good job, I think you have to, look behind the scenes and really figure out what a good job defines because you can't stack it up against the Braves. You can't stack it up against a team that's spending 50 more million dollars. You can't stack it up against a lot of things, but he does have Brian Reynolds. He does have delay. He does have a lot of guys that love him too. So I think the idea of being open and honest and just having everyone's ear is really important. I know Andrew McCutcheon's guy that hits an off season, Chase Lowe or yeah. Chase, Chase comes Rowe. in. Yeah. Chat. Yeah. Chase Rowe comes in and, and he'll watch BP and everything else. And it's open ears. It's constant of trying yeah. to learn and grow and see how we can help each and every guy. So I don't think it's Andy Haynes. That's the problem. I think if you look at it, there's a lot of plans that go behind the scenes. There's meetings. There's a lot of voices. I think you have to look at it collectively. Yeah. That's a really interesting point you bring up. And honestly, it's something I never thought about before with pitchers going to different performance centers. And that's just accepted as like normal. Yeah. And Nobody the problem is, is when they have the voice higher than the pitching coach. Yeah. Or, or vice versa. And that's not been the problem with the Pirates. I've seen that in the past. That's a disaster. Yeah. When, when they're calling, you know, like, for example, Skeens has a guy. Yeah. Right. He has one of the best guys in the country. That's not going to leave. You either accept it or Skeens could be like, excuse me. This is how I got here. But some guys, they get domed up if they don't allow that to happen and there's ego involved. That hasn't been the case with the Pirates, especially with Oscar and Andy. I can't speak for everybody, but those two guys have been phenomenal with willing to have outsource, willing to have communication with just about anybody, including other teams and anybody that's willing to talk and give them any advice to move forward and try to help these guys. The care level's off the charts. Yeah. I'm trying to sort of – figure out what, what all is happening in here and how I think about it and how I feel about it and what fans think and what's the right move and all this stuff. Cause I like, I understand fans getting frustrated by mm-hmm. Andy Haynes and thinking that a change is in order. I mean, I, I have gotten frustrated by it all and I would, I, I still might make a change. I, I don't know. And I, you know, I, I look at it and think all of these young players for it, who has actually gotten better offensively. And I, I don't have an answer. I, I can't see any one of them that has gotten discernibly better at the major league level. Maybe but how long, how much time do you give them? Well, that that's fair. You know, Peguero didn't play in AAA, right? So he's gotten better at the big league level comparative. But like, yeah. you look at Jack Sawinski, the jump he made is just unorthodox. And I feel like he's just behind. You know, he hit, hit a stride and then they punch back and he's running out of bat away and they're doing everything possible to figure that out. But what and, about Andy? What about Henry? Neither one of those guys have spent the entire time. You, you put all those voices, who are they most comfortable with? Yeah. Those guys are trying to make an impression and keep a job. And I think you got to ask them, okay, hey, what are you trying to do? Indy, yeah. are you trying to be a doubles guy, home run guy? Are you trying to be an on-base guy, OPS guy, high average guy? Until I really can identify that, it's the hitting coach's job to give suggestions to push him in the right direction. The analytic department does that on the hitting, hitting coach's side. And then they come up with this plan, but – until that player accepts it and understands it and believes that they believe in him, it doesn't matter. It really yeah. doesn't. 
That's no, the hardest part because I understand both sides. I understand the fans' frustration, but they're not telling Jack Swinsky not to swing. Right. You know, they're not telling Connor Joe not to swing. Right. You know, they're trying to stay in their approach. And I guarantee you, both guys looking forward are going to be better next year because of this year. Yeah. And I mean, I think you can look at this year and want to have seen more progress and more yeah. things and more results and all this. So I think that's completely fair. But I think you also need to bake into that equation. If you start from zero again, what does that look like? And what you're talking about in terms of trust and whatnot. Like if you, if we say, no, this is just not it, it's not working. We're going somewhere else. Um, you know, how far back is that going to set you now? I know I, that's the problem. I be set that far back. Like, I think I'd rather take Andy Haynes two years in and trust that this is going to improve, um, you know, versus starting over with somebody that, that is a bit of a wild card. I mean, it's, it's not the kind of thing where somebody just magically comes in here and everybody starts hitting, you know, you're not going to see a bunch of 800 OPS. It's just because, you know, John Nunnally is somebody they've, they've linked there. That's another thing that sort of, I, I can't understand about this story. Like I wrote the key. Brian was working with Nunnally. I think it's an important thing. I think it's an important story. Um, you know, it, if he was eating bran flakes every morning, I use this analogy to somebody. <laughs> uh, I, I'd be writing about that. Yeah, absolutely. Right? That, yep. that, that's my job. That's what you should do. And then inside of that article, I also posited, which I felt fine about at the time, especially after hearing Ben Charrington talk on Monday in Kansas City, where he said, like, he gave a ringing endorsement of the, the pitching group, said Shelton's coming back, and then said about 19 times, we need more offense. We need, we need to score more runs. We need to score more runs. Like, without knowing that, as somebody on the outside, like, you're going to take that man. He's not real happy with the hitting coach. You know, they, they could lose 95 games. He keeps saying we need more runs. That usually adds up to the hitting coach not coming back. Um, so, as we know, that's probably not going to happen, by the way. Um, but, you know, I, I posited that it might not. And then, for some reason, those two things got got meshed. You know, it's like Key Brian and not only whatever – Andy Haynes going out the door. Oh, John Nunnally needs to be the hitting coach. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, maybe you can join the major league staff. I don't have a problem with that. So I think that's that what I was going to lead to. That's yeah. what I was going to lead to is I think if you look at the staff, the best staffs in the big leagues have a compliment for Andy Haynes. And it right. usually is a guy that's played five to 10 years in the big leagues or even a year in the big leagues. Because if he takes on the right role, he becomes a mentor of sorts right. within the game. Now Andy well, Haynes becomes even more of a benefit. Too, right, for huh? Say what? He would probably know some of these guys too. Correct. And Almost I like, think like everyone would be open to that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the problem is like instead of looking at it as like cut bait, start over, well, you're cutting somebody that does something really, really well. Now maybe the guy from AA does something really, really well. Let them both come. Let them right. both have that moment. Right. And then hire guys below – that can just pour into these guys in a different way. I, I think one thing that I wish every organization would do, and some organizations do it better than others, is have the same type of staff in AAA and AA as you do in the big leagues. Because you're not used to hearing three people or four people talk to you about hitting and then having a guy that gives you an advanced report of how to score runs. Yeah. You know, that's five different people you're talking to before you walk out on the field. Yeah. And then, oh, yeah, you have a base running coach. You have an outfield coach. You have all these things going on. In AAA, you don't. Yeah. So I think preparing those guys with the same information, the same voices, I think would really, really help. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it, it's interesting for sure. Um, and you know, it's a different lens on it 
getting more context with Haynes, what he's done, hearing different perspectives that, that the Hayes story, frankly, produced. Um, you know, like I said, I went into that thinking there, there was probably going to be a change. And that's why I wrote that, you know, he would be a replacement. Like if you start from the idea that he's going away, that makes sense. But anyway, that we're not going to dwell on that couple numbers that I saw in researching this stuff before, before we started, I thought were in, was interesting runs scored, um, over their past 42 and keep in mind they're 22 and 20 during that time. I believe that traces back to July 19th, but anyway, runs scored, they've scored 188 runs. 17th in MLB. That's not bad. That's not bad at all. That's above 500 with a payroll that is peanuts. And with, you know, with young players that are largely figuring things out, then are only going to get better. OPS 717, that's 17th. OBP 316, that's 16th. Anyway, I mean, they've gotten on base and scored a decent amount of runs over the past six plus weeks. Something like that. It's it's some of the best ball they've played all season outside of 20 and eight. If you finish that, you know, finish the final month like this, to me, there's no reason to get rid of Andy Haynes. I mean, I think that's largely a respectable way of finishing out the season if these numbers were, were to continue. I agree. And you, you look at how the pitching's been. I mean, we are literally putting Band-Aids on our pitching yep. staff. I think Band-Aid might be starting tomorrow. I mean, it's tough. I mean, I, I feel bad for these guys. Yeah, I feel bad for the staff. You know, you don't want to rush guys along, but man, they are really struggling to find arms to put into the game. And these yeah. guys are wearing it. And one thing I would say, Mackie, and I, I want your thought on this is like, it's also very hard being a guy that, you know, I'd, I'd started 15 games, 20 games in a row. And then I, I've sat 14 games in a row after I hit two homers, you know, that does a lot to your psyche. And I think we have a lot of guys on this team that don't really know what next year brings. You have a lot of guys fighting for their life. So they think, you know, like I, I think Henry Davis, one reason he's not hitting well is because he's fighting for his life to find a position. Indy Rodriguez thinks that all that matters is catching from day one to now. So his hitting has taken a toll on that. There's no doubt in my mind. Yeah. You know, you can't be a stud moving around all the time. And then when you get hot, you sit for a game. Maybe when you had a matchup, just because that's how they wrote it up. You know, three weeks ago or however it is. Yeah. That's a reality that needs to be talked about. That's not the psyche of these players matters. And when they're trying to fight to stay in the big leagues, because less than 15% of these guys are going to get two years or three years in the big leagues. That's, that is a 100% fact. So they know that they're fighting for their life and they're trying to stay any way they can. So they're taking every thing and saying, okay, yeah, if I bunt here, I do this. And they're chasing things they probably shouldn't instead of just going out and playing. And I think we're seeing more of them just going out and playing. So the, the feel and the trust of, you know, they belong, I think is being created, but it, it takes time. It really does. All right. Let's take it into the off season for it. If you can uh, scratch me out a quick wish list and that that's going to lead us into some reader questions, but um, what would that look like for you? Can we go one and one? Yep. You want me to go first? Yep. Giolito. Oh, wow. We're naming names. Yeah. I like it. I yeah. like it. Yeah. Giolito by name. Multi-year mm -hmm. deal? I guess it would have to be a multi-year Yes. Three-year deal. Why, why do you want Giolito on a three-year deal? I know the type of person he is, the type of competitor he is, and he would fit in this pirate uniform. 1,000%. He'd be a guy that you know people would latch on to. And they could have had him for it. They could have <laughs> yeah, had but, him for a claim. Yeah, they could have, but... I still feel I wanted him at the beginning of the year, you know, knowing he was a free agent. I was like, this would be a good dude to have. 
fly ball guy, big park. He fits. He's very different than everyone else we have. I think it'd work. Okay. I Giolito is the type that I want. I did not have it narrowed down by name, so I'm not prepared to answer this question as fully <sighs> as you. But I, I want a pitcher. I want number two, number three starter, something like that. Um, it Giolito, sure. Sounds great. Um, I was hoping they would claim him. It's basically two million bucks for a month of work. You know, you get a, an early start on a free agent deal. I like all that, but yeah, if if you can bring them in here, and I think they need to do that for it. They need to get that. That should be the next step in this is getting guys in here who stay. Mm-hmm. You're not you're not just hiring that you know temporary worker so you can trade them in August or something like that. You know, like get a guy for multiple years. He's going to be here. Um, they've done contract extensions. Fantastic. I hope they did get that one done with Mitch Keller, but I would mm-hmm. like to see a free agent signed to a multi-year contract. I do think that's reasonable. Okay, number two. What's your other one? Tyler Anderson. Really? Mm-hmm. Bring it back TA. Oh, excuse me. Not Tyler Anderson. Uh, the kid from Colorado. Oh, what's his name? Lefty. Help me out here. Charlie Brown. No, no, no. no. Oh, pitcher. pitcher. Another pitcher. Left-handed pitcher. Kyle Freeland. Kyle Freeland. That's who I want. <clears throat> Number two. Okay. I'm going to make sure I'm getting that right, by the way. You, you I, are. You are. I like Tyler Anderson, too. But uh, Freeland, I think, has more upside right now. Okay. Is he a free agent? He's going to be a free agent. Help. Okay. Ooh, 514. Or 514, 518 ERA, 26 star. Huh? Sounds like Get a pile of Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. starts to bounce that baby back we'll see um i would go for my second one um you might talk me into pitching i don't know if i could ever turn down pitching but i say power hitting first baseman I, I want somebody that can put the ball over the fence if carlos santana is sitting there for cheap enough i would consider doing it i would because of the influence i think he would have on o- o'neill cruz the way he would play first base um Something like that would make sense, but it would not be my first choice. I would try to shoot higher. I'd try to get more offense. If I could get somebody whose offense I liked enough, I don't even know if I'd care about the defense. I just want somebody with pop in the middle of the lineup. Um, CJ Crone is one name that I've heard um, bandied about. Doesn't sound like the worst idea in the world, but yeah, I think I'd go. I think I'd go power hitting first baseman. You have a third? Santana. Santana, Santana was my third. Yep. Do you see Kutch working out for next year? Uh, I think you sign him no matter what um, yeah, and figure I, it out. I think you got to get it done. Yeah, I, I think he wants to be here. Um, I would hate to regret him not being here and him go somewhere else. Yeah. Um, he's it's not the way it's his... supposed to end, man. It's supposed to – like he he just, I think, does one more year here. They figure it out. I have a solution, and I want to I want to get your take on this. Um, you may have heard my solution. but I'd love your solution. Let's hear it. First base. Why not? I send him home with the first baseman's glove. I say, Kutch, I need you to learn how to catch with this. I don't he's, care. He's throw. athletic enough. He could do it. Yeah. I mean, there's some nuance to the position that I understand he would not be able to handle, but I don't need him to throw. I don't care about his arm. Just catch the ball. And I need to be able to put you in a position so I can rotate guys in and out of the DH spot. I need to get you in the field somewhere. I was I was gonna say, right field, you know, get that arm healthy. I mean, I agree. I don't think he can do it right now. For I really I, don't think he I, can. I don't think he his arm. I don't think his arm would hurt. Yeah, 
but I think going into next year, making sure that thing's right, you know, I think both options would be okay with me. Well, if I'm if I'm the Pirates, this is the way I play this. I, I make sure that he's physically able to give me something in the field. Mm-hmm. Because as much as I want to sign him, it's a great story. He's Andrew McCutcheon. He's the most important player for this team in decades. Agree with all of it. It's potentially a dumb move if all he can do is DH. His production will go way up offensively if he's playing in the field more. I, I know about my mind. I agree. So I, I'm with you. And two, like 300 to 400 at bats, you know, let him dictate it. But he's a guy I think if he comes back healthy and he knows where he's going to be, because last year was that first year he felt free agency. It wasn't like knock, 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 knock over and over again. Yeah. You know, there was three teams that hit really hard, stopped, and then came back. And I, that's hard. You know, that was my career. You know, you, you sat around, waited, all these guys get, you know, through the sifting and they're like, oh, there's McHenry. Let's go get him now. And he <laughs> felt that. He felt that last year. And yeah. I, I think knowing he's coming back will give him a different type of want to. And I think he'd go out with a bang. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, that's another thing. That's the last part of that. I mean, it's got to be the last year. That's it. You like, you talk to Andrew you talk to the fans, you talk to everybody's like, this is the year. That's I don't know if he'd announce it out. to be honest. I think he'd just be like, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Cause I don't think, you think he would? yeah, I don't, I'm not going to put it past him that he's going to play two or three more years, but even if it was his last, I do not think he would say anything. I think I'd need him to say something. He, everybody'd want him to, but he would just be like, I ah, we'll, see. If, we'll I, see. if I'm if I'm running that move from an organizational standpoint, well, they I, may I, know. They may know. I'm just saying the fans and everybody else may not know. Well, yeah, I don't I don't care what you tell the fans. You can tell the fans yeah. nothing, but I'm saying like this is my deal. Uh, you know, I will sign you for another year. I need you to play another position. This is going to be the last year we do this. But like then I'm turning things over to the kids. Uh, yeah, or do a mutual I'll option if he has the numbers. That would fire fire him up. Ooh, yeah, that's a okay. good idea, man. That's a good idea. That's what we should do. You should write that story. What's that mutual option? mutual option? If he hits the numbers they want him to hit, they sign him back. Their decision between the two. It's his option. So if he goes well, we don't out, we he's playing next year. But we figured out his contract for twenty twenty five. Am I getting that right? Yeah, I mean, okay. absolutely. Good. Good. Look at us, front right. office yeah. wizards. <laughs> Let's move on to some actual questions from fans. We're done. Um, Jack, Micah, I I think I'm getting that right. M-Y-C-K-A. Actually, I don't have any idea if I'm getting it right, Jack. I apologize. Is Capper up and Triolo down so Triolo gets regular at bats? Is he also playing some shortstop at AAA? So, Fort, how do you see this situation going? Why is Vinny Capper here? What's Triolo doing down? When When might we see Triolo, et cetera? Yeah, I think he's down getting regular bats. I, I do yeah, like guys getting regular bats, but yeah, I think uh Denny's here to be a place filler for right now. An an extra guy so they can do different things off the bench and he has versatility. That's it. Yeah. I'm looking to see if Trio Triolo has played some shortstop. Is he playing games. first? Um he's only played three games there. Uh, he's gonna be an option next year, I think, if we go get that big bopper. Yep. Oh, for a wait. defensive guy. For a defensive guy at first. Yeah. Kind of like what Garrett Garrett Jones used to do. Yeah. Okay. I'm okay with that. I'm mm-hmm. not worried about him playing shortstop. I Me don't either. see applicability there. Yeah. Um, Anywhere – a different glove is a little bit different. Yeah. I mean, I think he can do it. It's nothing against him. It's just like right now I'm going to play Peggy there. I'm yeah. fine with that. Uh, mm-hmm. His bat has supported it. Next year I'm going to play Cruz there. 
if I need a backup, I mean, I guess, I guess he can be kind of your super sub and backup places. But, you know, again, I expect to have Peggy on the roster and I don't expect to be taking Cruz out very much at all. I hope, hope to not do that. That's what I hope to see next year. Almost like Atlanta and LA, you know, where you have guys that are in every day. That'd be awesome. Another question you'll like this for it. Aaron Smith asks with the frustration of fans and Henry not catching, can Fort give us a detailed rundown of the stuff catchers do on a daily basis? On a daily basis, if if you're talking about Henry specifically, they pick and choose their battles. So one day they may focus on just the bullpen. And then another day they may go out and work on the receiving. Another day it may be throwing. It, it's constantly shifting. Occasionally you'll do a little bit of all of it. Um, back in the day we used to catch live BPs. They don't do that much anymore, um, yeah. I guess, because of fear of getting hurt or foul tip or whatever. But, yeah, they, they rotate the work. There's a lot more time spent on catching the pitchers and receiving more than ever right now, especially with Henry Davis. Um, and then <clears throat> every other minute is spent recovering and, and preparing to, you know, call a game or get to know your guys. So there's a lot that goes into it. And I think Henry being able to sit into the catchers meeting, pitchers and catchers meeting um, just about every, every time they have it instead of going to the hitters meeting, which I think is really, really cool. I think that's really important for him. And then, just getting out there with Oscar and message and all these pitchers and trying to learn, you know, what do you like to do in this type of situation? You know, how do you get back in the zone? All those little nuances that I feel like he would maybe have a little bit hard, harder of a time than Indy because Indy's more of a empathetic soul. You know, Henry Davis is more of a fire in the soul type guy. So he's yeah. going to come at you real hard and he's got one speed. And I think he's starting to learn he can have multiple speeds. And I think once he does, I think he'll be good behind the plate. I think he's got some abilities. Just got to figure out who he is back there and identify with the guy on the mound. That's that's the one thing I've heard and I've seen with him is his personality is overwhelming to those guys sometimes, Yeah, which I think is a good thing because you can rein it back. It's hard to pull that personality forward. And I think him and Indy balance each other out as good as I've seen personally. You? Um. Yeah. I mean, that's – yeah. I, I largely agree with you. I largely agree. With you. I don't I know also, when he's going to catch though. That's, that's one problem. Yeah. And it's not going to happen this year. He hasn't been doing any catching stuff and I'm not, well, sure. he's not going to learn on the fly next year. Yeah. I, th- I think the ship may have sailed. Frank. I mean, I, I just, no. I, I know. I just don't understand when he's going to work on catching. And like right now, the way I've seen this, Andy is a better catcher than Henry. So Andy's going to work on it, but Andy needs to play. Mm-hmm. Henry has a lot of work to do in the outfield. I don't think, the ship has sailed on him playing out there by any stretch. I think it's been a really tough assignment to go in there and learn it on the fly, but you give him an off season. I feel pretty good about Henry being at least competent out there. Uh, But I don't, I don't know if he's doing himself or anybody, any favors by clinging to the catching stuff. I feel like we've just got to say, no, just no, you're, you're Kyle Schwarber. You're an outfielder. Let's just do this. Let, you know, be a serviceable outfielder for me. And I want you to hit and I think that might be the path of least, least resistance, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I think anything that's straightforward is always probably good for his personality. Okay. All right, Fort. Well, that about does it. I had a couple more, but I'm going to scrap them because I don't want to be going on too long, and I also have an early morning flight to catch. To get home from St. Louis. So we're going to adjourn at this moment. Thank you for, for joining, as always. I, I love this. I'm glad we get to do it every week. Me too. Me too. And I can't believe we didn't talk about Paul Skeens. I can't believe it. 
And there's a guy. I gotta admit, I gotta throw this out here because I said it when you signed. This is for you, Mackie. Okay. My pick to click coming into next year. Yeah. He's gonna be in the big leagues, is my guess. Let me find him. Make sure I get his name right. Hunter Barco. I said when they dropped him, that may be the best pick we've had in a decade because he flew under the radar into the second round. He was gonna be a top ten pick. Yep. Tommy John. He's recovering really, really well. They've taken him slow. Yep. I'm telling you right now, that swing and miss stuff could be here real fast. He's going to be in the big leagues. My guess next year. Wow. I hope you're yep. right. For- <clears throat> well, I want to. I want to be right because that <laughs> that I've heard a lot of good. I don't know him personally, but I've heard and seen his bullpens. Yeah, stuff's electric. All right. So Hunter Barco, eight games, seven starts, seventeen and two thirds innings. Rookie ball in low A Bradenton, 306 ERA, 18 or 28 strikeouts to five that, walks. That's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Especially off of Tommy John. Yeah. Yeah. This is his first time in a ball game since 21. Okay. So okay. I think he's going to hit the ground running fast in his last start. Four innings, seven Ks, one hit, no runs. Very well. That does it for us this week. Uh, subscribe, like, do all that fun stuff. Um, we will be back here, same place, same channel. Thank you to the North Shore Tavern for sponsoring us. Uh, for Fort McHenry, I'm Jason Mack. You've been watching Pitching In. Thank you for checking out this content from Post Gazette Sports. If you enjoyed the video, please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Check out our Apple Podcast channel for more podcast content. Click below for a special deal of 99 cents for a three-month subscription to the Pittsburgh Post Gazette.